0: Hello everyone and welcome to the premiere edition of Classic Wrestling Pay-Per-Views. This is uh, an idea that actually was given to me by my oldest brother, um, you know, trying to help me get me more stuff uh, for the Minitites podcast and the YouTube channel, you know, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, all that good stuff, um, and he suggested I, you know, review old wrestling pay-per-views, and here I am with the premiere Edition and with the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view happening this weekend, I decided why not, you know, honor the pay-per-view that had the first ever Hell in a Cell match. I am of course talking about Bad Blood in Your House 1997 from St. Louis, Missouri at the Kiel Center and I just want to say I had actually never seen this pay-per-view in its entirety before and I had to actually watch this just a little while ago before I could start recording because up until that I had only seen just the, the Hell in a Cell match main event. Uh, on you know several DVDs and you know compilation stuff over the years, but never actually seen the full pay per view from start to finish. So it was I was I'm sure it was I was certain that it was going to be a, quite an interesting uh, event, uh, to say the least. Uh, you know because quite a lot of it quite a lot of things came out of this pay per view, but you know without. Further delay and further rambling, let me just get right into it. We had the opening match, it was uh, the Nation of Domination consisting of D'Lo Brown, Kama Mustafa, and Rocky Maivia, who of course we better know as The Rock, taking on uh, the Legion of Doom, and it was supposed to be actually a a six-man tag match, it was supposed to be Nation versus LOD and Ken Shamrock, but Ken Shamrock had apparently been injured prior to this, so then it became a uh, two-on-one handicap match. Nation versus LOD, and this was actually a very hard-hitting, uh, very well-paced, and you know, very well-told story of a match. And uh, it only went just a little over 12 minutes, which, but you don't, you don't even realize that when you're watching it. Or at least that's how it was for me. Um, uh, I mean, because I, mean, I haven't always been a fan of the, that big a fan of The Rock. I know he's, you know, supposed to be the great one, one of the greatest of all time. He's a legend and all that good stuff. You know, just I was never a fan of him as a you know during his his prime in the WWF back then. You know, but you know, in retrospect, looking back at some of his his older matches and promos, I've grown to appreciate them. But I still won't say that I won't consider myself an, a fan of him. Uh, but I can respect and appreciate the matches that he had. And this was definitely a very, a very good example of how good of a wrestler he actually was because, you know, when he became, you know, the super mega babyface, uh, during the latter years of the Attitude Era, he was, you know, very, I'll just say, kind of routine with, with a lot of his moves. You know, he did the basic, you know, his, his basic, you know, I guess you would say five moves of doom kind of set. Uh, but here he did a lot more, you know, which I guess you know, as the heel, when he fir- you know first coming in like this, he was he wanted to showcase more of his, his attributes and his abilities, which you know he did. Um, uh, but yeah, it was a very uh, hard-hitting kind of match, and um, Hawk and Animal just dis- did a lot of, uh, I guess you could say, high-flying ish kind of moves, which, you know, of course we're not very used to seeing such things from uh, the Road Warriors, Legion of Doom. Um, uh, but, you know, Nation of Domination came out on top. They defeated uh, Legion of Doom after, uh, I believe it was Animal got distracted by Farouk uh, standing outside the ring, um, which gave uh, Kama a chance to, you know, come up from behind and kick him in the back of the head. Uh, with, the, And then the rock... With the rock bottom you know scoring the one two three uh it was a very good match i enjoyed it uh didn't you know make well i mean i was gonna say it didn't feel like a pay-per-view match but because on paper it doesn't it doesn't look like it would be a match you'd see on a pay-per-view it would be you know a basic match on a monday night raw or smackdown uh but you know, it was a very good match to kick off this particular pay-per-view, uh, and then we were supposed to have uh, Dude Love versus Brian Pillman, but of course, as we all know, uh, he had you know, he had been found dead in his hotel room, Brian Pillman, that is, uh, earlier that day. Um, and you know, if you want to know more about that? Check out his uh, his documentary that's on the WWE Network. Uh, and instead what they uh put in spot in place of this match was a uh tag team match with the with the Minis. Uh, uh it was uh see, a Mosaic and Tarantula taking on Nova and Max Mini, who uh if you you know don't remember him as Max Mini, you might remember him as Ma the Masquer- Sagrada Sagrada from uh, Lucha Underground and you know other times during his uh professional wrestling career. Um uh, but, you know, I get. I think might have been most famous as uh, Max Mini, particularly, you know, during hit, the couple matches he had in WWF at the time. And this match went about almost seven minutes. It was, a, you know, I mean, for it being a, a last-minute replacement kind of match, uh, I was very highly entertained by it. I thought it was a very uh, fast-paced and... And even a surprise, surprisingly hard-hitting kind of match. You wouldn't really expect from from these guys. Uh, because, I mean, they get, you know, from... Especially way, way way back in the 80s when they had, you know, the, quote, midget wrestling. Um, you know, it was just, you know, it was more for comedy. It wasn't to, meant to be taken seriously. But this one, they... Uh, especially, you know, the the, the, the masked mask luchadores, they... Uh, <clears throat> they... Put in the work for this match, they, and they did a very good job, in my opinion, at least. Um, and, uh, and there was one, one spot in particular that it was a tarantula, I believe, that he was the, the, the bigger one of of the four. That he took Max Mini, pressed him over his head, and then dropped him on the announce table. Uh, it didn't break. It just he just dropped him on there, and I'd never seen that before with uh, like the, the 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 mini wrestlers doing that to each other. So uh, that that was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, the Max Mini and Nova uh, won the match. Again, if you've you know if you've never seen these guys wrestle before, you should definitely check out uh, some of their matches on the network. Or if you have access to like the AAA or CCMLL uh, wrestling promotions in Mexico, you should you should check them out there as well. Or Lucha Underground to check out uh, Max Mini or Mascarita Sagrada as well. Uh, but yeah, very good match. I enjoyed that. Um, <coughs> Um. Let's see, I'm, try, I'm trying to remember because trying to remember because I just seen it, but I'm trying to remember like where the placement of some of the segments were. Cause, um, because there was a segment where they uh, honored the you know, legends of St. Louis wrestling, uh, where they uh, Jim Ross came in and they on uh, he on uh, he you know, did a nice little presentation for uh, Sam Muchnick, uh, Gene kaniski Terry Funk, Dory Funk Jr., Luthez, Jack briscoe Harley Race. Um, but I can't remember if it happened after this match or if it was, uh, after the tag title match, but, but anyway, that was, that was, that, that moment was very nice, and, you know, getting to see all those great legends being honored was, was cool, especially Harley Race, who got the biggest pop out of the crew, uh, because, you know, St. Louis is is Harley, was Harley Race's, you know, that was his territory he and he was the king so that was cool um, but yeah the tag title match bad it was the the godwins taking on mosh and thrasher of the headbangers and hold on i gotta sneeze damn it you, you ever have those sneezes where where you or the feeling where you think you're gonna sneeze <laughs> And then when you prepare for it, and then it doesn't happen, that's literally what just fucking happened to me right now. But anyways, yeah, that was Henry O. Godwin and Phineas I. Godwin taking on the WWF Tag Team Champions at the time, and Thrasher, the Headbangers. And this one was also a very uh, surprisingly good match, to me at least. you know, the headbangers that have their, you know, high-flying spots that they like to do, and the Godwins are very hard-hitting, especially Henry O. Godwin, or Mark Canterbury as, as his real name, and he was uh, known as later on when they became Southern Justice with when they paired with Jeff Jarrett the, the following year. And this was a, a, a very, you know, to me, a very classic tag team wrestling match that uh, we I wish we would see more of in today's WWE. Uh... Went, just one went little over 12 minutes almost 12 and a half minutes um, again another very you know great hard-hitting kind of match and um, I mean by today's standards this would be a Monday night Raw match or a Smackdown match or or even uh, a match that they would throw on main event on the as well but um, yeah, but remember back then you know these were the big stars of of the of the of that that era in in professional wrestling, and you know, fans of you know newer fans, younger fans of today watching this might not understand why these guys were you know presented at at the level that they were, but you know those of us who grew up watching these these guys, we we understand and appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and the Godwins came out on top for this one. It was, uh, became the new tag team champions. I believe this was their second time as champions, because I remember they had won it the year before, um, but I don't know if they had won it again after that. It's been a long time since I've watched some of those old, since I've watched the old Raws and pay-per-views from 96 and 97, and I've been doing that a lot more lately, because, um, just like reminiscing on how great those times were. Uh, and then we also followed, after this match, we had the finals of the Intercontinental Championship Tournament. Because, of course, remember, Austin had hurt his neck in the match against, with Owen Hart at SummerSlam that year. Uh, and he had to forfeit the championship, and they had the tournament. and the finals, it was Farouk taking on Owen Hart. Uh, this match went just about six minutes, and uh, it was a very good match. Because I mean, both of them were Farouk, you know, or Ron Simmons, or whatever you prefer to call him, and Owen Hart. Great wrestlers, great athletes. two of of the best ever, and it was a very good match, but just, because Slocal's, he also was sitting ringside, and he, throughout the match, literally went from, like, from, because they had the three announce tables, you know, the regular announce table, Vince, JR, and, and Jerry Lawler, then they had the Spanish table, and then they had the French table, and Austin went to each announce table, taking the headsets off of the guys and, and doing commentary, and it was hilarious. <laughs> he, yeah, he took Vince's headset, started talking, then he took J- Jerry Lawler's headset, started talking, then he went to the Spanish table and took uh, Carlos Cabrera's um, headset and started chatting with, with Tito Santana, uh, and then he went to the French table and took the, one of the headsets and was chatting with, with uh, Ray Rougeau. Um, I don't know, I, think I, I, I got a real kick out of that. Um... Uh, but of course, Owen Hart won the match. Uh, it was in, it was actually with the assist of C Austin, um, which you know the commentary of Vince Jr. and King sold it very well. Just like you know, like you know, Austin hates Owen Hart, but why? But why did he help him? You know, w- become the new Intercontinental Champion. You know, but in my head, remembering how things, how it all ended in the story, like he did it so that he can fight him. For at Survivor Series to get his revenge, uh, so you know, from in the storyline perspective, that was that was a brilliant move. <laughs> um, and somewhere down the line, I'll talk about uh, Survivor Series nineteen ninety seven on on a on another edition of uh, classic wrestling pay per views, but I won't do it this year. Maybe next year. Um, and then after that, we had a an 8-man tag match, it was the Los Borriquas, which was a uh, Jesus Castillo Jr., uh, Jose Estrada Jr., Miguel Perez Jr., Savio Vega taking on Disciples of Apocalypse DOA with 8-ball, Chains, Crush, and Skull. Um, and, I, and this was at all, another surprisingly very good match. I mean, honestly, the whole pay-per-view, the fans were hot from start to finish, you know, and, uh, and I'll be honest, for for, for that era in, the, in WWF and the, the industry as a whole, this was a very, very good pay-per-view. I mean, very, a pay-per-view that flies under the radar for, for a lot of wrestling fans, especially talk, when talking about the year 1997. It's, it, you know, to me, I, I, I enjoyed very much watching this pay-per-view, especially for it being the first time that I've ever watched it from start to finish. I mean, because this pay-per-view was 22 years ago. Um... I mean, hell, this this Saturday, October 5th, will be exactly 22 years since the pay-per-view aired, so... You know, but yeah, I enjoyed the pay-per-view from top to start to finish very much, and this match it was another one that surprised me with how much I enjoyed it. It was, you know, an, a very well-paced and, again, another hard-hitting match, but, you know, which is expected, especially with a, a Crush, you know, being... A, if you remember Crush, uh, Brian, uh, <clears throat> Brian Adams, I, no, no, Brian Clark. He was Brian Clark. Yeah, uh, Brian Adams was Adam Bomb. Uh, no, wait, sorry, got it right. Brian Clark was Adam Bomb. Brian Adams was Crush. Sorry, I, I get them both confused because they, because you know they were because Crush and Adam Bomb, they were uh, the the group the tag team Chronic in WCW, and then later on, in, a couple of times in WWF, and you know. Their WWF front did not go so well, which really sucked because I was a fan of them as a tag team in WCW. So it was unfortunate how their WWF front went. But anyways, that's a story for another time. Um, but yeah, uh, and, and Savio, speaking and also Savio Vega, I w- I was I've always been a fan of Savio Vega and feel like the, he he is another he is another one of those wrestlers that does not get enough credit for how great he really was. I mean. And great one one best thing I can do is recommend that anyone who hasn't seen it before, check out the Caribbean Strap Match that he had with Stone Cold Steve Austin at the Beware of Dog uh, in your house pay-per-view. Because that was a very, very good match. And hell, at the Slammy Awards in 1997, it was even nom- one of the nominees for Match of the Year. And when I watched it for the first time, I think like 10 years ago... Uh, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I can see this being a match of the year candidate. It was it was that great of a match, um, and yeah, the, I know you want wondering, You know, ten years ago, the reason why I'd only seen it ten years ago is because when the first the when the pay per view aired the first time in 1996, uh, there was a blackout that actually blocked out the almost the entire pay per view, where from the second match just before the main event, from the from the first original live broadcast of the pay per view, was completely blackened out and fans at home did not get to watch it so they had to do a free encore airing uh, that Tuesday where they actually redid the pay-per-view live um, except for the first and last matches for the pay-per-view because it was because it was when that first when the second match which was going to be the Caribbean strap match on the pay-per-view that's when the power went out uh, at the arena and then started up again just before the main event of Shawn Michaels and British Bulldog Uh, but yeah that's another match that you guys should definitely check out if when you, if you haven't seen it before. Um, but yeah, DOA came out on top for this one, and then we followed up with uh, a flag match. It was the Patriot and Big Van Vader. You know, RIP is a lot of. It's very sad to see a lot of people on this pay per view that are no longer with us, but yeah. Uh, taking on Bret Hart and the British Bulldog and this one another one that i was very surprised that i enjoyed very much went up 25 minutes and uh considering how limited uh of a, of a performer the patriot was during that period if you guys remember del wilkes the of the pate from when he played the patriot during that era uh i mean he wasn't exactly the greatest wrestler but you know he did well with the character of the patriot and and one of the things that, watching this, I actually for, had forgotten that his the Kurt Angle's theme song was originally his theme song, and hearing him come out to that, you know, like I, I always forget that part. So I I chuckled a little bit, like huh oh, yeah, forgot that that was that that Kurt Angle's theme was originally his, um, but you know because because the t- Kurt Angles theme song is a very patriotic theme and it fit well with the Patriot. Um... And of course, Vader. You know, Vader's the man. Um, uh, and of course, you all know that I'm a big Bret Hart fan. He's my all-time favorite wrestler. Met him twice. Got three autographs from him. Uh, greatest of all time. All that good stuff. You already know how I feel about him. Uh, so of course, I enjoyed the match. Pretty much any Bret Hart match, even Bret Hart's worst. Bret Hart's worst matches are still better than some of the best matches of other wrestlers. You know, and that, that that's that's. That's just facts. I'm just seriously, but anyways, um, this one was a you know because back in 1997 it was you know the Heart Foundation versus America you know and all that that whole storyline is one of my favorite storylines that WWF WWE had ever done, um, and I guess you could kind of say this was the culmination of it because after this we moved on to Survivor Series '97 and uh, again I'll talk about that another time, um. <laughs> Uh, but it was a very good match, and uh, you know, unlike most flag matches, this one you could also win by pinfall or submission, in addition to climbing up and grabbing the flag off of your your team's post. Um, and Bret Hart and uh, Bulldog won, uh, so the fans were not happy. So, but I enjoyed the match very much, and you know, surprised me again, surprised me very much how how good this match was. But at the same time, I shouldn't have been too surprised because you know. Bret Hart, Bulldog, Vader—you know—they're—they're they're, they're legends. Uh, and then, of course, we have the main event—the first ever Hell in a Cell match, the Heartbreak Cave Shawn Michaels taking on the Phenom, the Undertaker, uh, where the winner got a number one contender's spot for the WWF Championship at Survivor Series. And, I you mean, know, of course, everybody knows how great this match was. Hell, you know for Dave Meltzer, you know, even though I. Fucking hate Dave Meltzer. Fuck Dave Meltzer, as I always say. Um, this was the last WWF match that he rated five stars uh, until the CM Punk versus John Cena match at Money in the Bank 2011. Um, now it's because I know there's people out there that that take those star ratings from Dave Meltzer to heart as if like, oh, he rated it this many stars, and that means that's what the how good or bad the match actually is. Just like how I feel with movie critics. Don't let their opinions influence you. You should just watch the stuff and decide for yourself. But I mean, it's pretty unanimous how uh, this Hell in a Cell match is, and actually, in some people's opinion might even still even they consider it to be the best Hell in a Cell match. Uh, which mean, I can definitely see that argument because this this one definitely set the standard of of all Hell in a Cell matches to come uh and there would be many great hell in a cell matches that that would happen later on of course i mean undertaker and mcfoley's hell hell in a cell match at king of the ring uh triple h and Captain jack uh, <clears throat> the uh brock lesnar and undertaker uh, which, whichever one you want to pick because they had it twice um uh <clears throat> Shawn michaels in triple h batista in triple h Uh, Yeah, Triple H had a lot of Hell in a Cell matches. Uh, Batista and Undertaker, uh, Triple H and Undertaker at WrestleMania, Uh, Edge versus Undertaker. Um, Yeah, you know, so many great Hell in a Cell matches that came came after this one, but this is the one that started it all. Uh, And they kicked off the legacy of the Hell in a Cell match uh, in the biggest way possible. Uh, They Honestly, you could beat the shit out of Shawn Michaels for, like, 99% of the match. Uh, a couple of times, Shawn Michaels did get the upper hand, and, you know, he got into it with, the, with a couple of the camera guys there, which, I don't know, I feel like Shawn Michaels had a, had a hard time with cameramen during that during those years. Like, 95, 96, 97, he, he did not like the camera guys getting in his way. Like, even at WrestleMania 11, um... During his match with Diesel, he got tossed out of the ring, and the camera guys that were sitting there were at ringside. He th- took one of them and threw them across the floor. Uh, I don't know if that if that was you know one of WWE's guys and they cleared that, or if he was just you know being a, being the prick that he was back then. But anyways, uh, we all you know the we all remember the. Uh, when Shawn Michaels gets you know dumped off the top of the cell, even though he was technically hanging off the side, he wasn't actually on top of it. You know that was still a pretty big spot for the, at that time. You know of course that would be topped you know by McFoley the following year. Um, but this one was a big deal because remember at that time WWF was not doing that those kind of things that often. Uh, this was this was still the early stages of the Attitude Era, so that kind of crazy stuff happened. would happen a lot more later on. Um, and then, of course, you know, the part that most fans remember the most, and they even just covered it on WWE Network's, you know, show, WWE Untold Stories, uh, the debut of Kane, with Vince McMahon famously saying, that's gotta be Kane! Um, and, you know, Glenn Jacobs, who at the, up to that point had been uh, Dr. Isaac Yankum, DDS, and the fake Diesel, uh, both of which were just shit gimmicks, even though as Isaac Yankum he did have a, he did have a very good match with Bret Hart at Summertime 95. Um, you know, the character of Kane saved Glenn Jacobs' wrestling career, and now he is a legend uh, in in the in the company, legend in the industry and is the mayor of knox county tennessee so you know he's doing big things and apparently and he has about he has a memoir coming out i believe in november it's called mayor kane um let me look it up on amazon because i think it's coming out next month uh, all have, right i have it saved on my wish list because you know i love reading wrestling books so let me look at my right. uh, let me see wrestling right, there you go my wrestling books wish list um let me see uh yeah it says coming out November twenty sixth of 2019 it is called Mayor Kane My Life in Wrestling and Politics and I am definitely going to enjoy reading that one because I just finished reading uh Jim Ross's first book a very good book um and it I guess he's kind of taking the same path that Chris Jericho did because he stopped his his first book right at Wrestlemania 15 and then there's a, his next book coming out next year called Under the Black Hat my life in the WWE and beyond. But anyways, I'm not. we're not talking about that stuff. We're talking about the debut of Kane in the first ever Hell in a Cell match at Bad Blood 1997. But yeah, because for weeks, Paul Bearer had been saying Kane was alive. Kane is coming. He's going to get his revenge on his brother. And finally he arrived. And, <clears throat> and it was pretty damn awesome. Um... And then he went face to face with the Undertaker. Uh, Undertaker not knowing what's going on, not knowing what to do, because he's face to face with his baby brother that he thought had died so many years ago. Um, and then he basically blindsides him, but with a with a tombstone power driver on on the Undertaker, and then leaves him laying in the ring. And under- and Shawn Michaels, a bloody and beaten badly, Shawn Michaels, crawls over throws his arm on top of him and gets the 1-2-3, much to the massive disappointment of fans in the arena. Uh, And then we've closed that chapter of the Shawn Michaels Undertaker rivalry, uh, which would go on for quite a few more matches in in the years to come after that. And that's where we close the Bad Blood In Your House pay-per-view from October 1997. And like I said, from top to bottom, I thought it was. I I would say it's probably might be one of the most underrated pay per views WWE ever had. Definitely one of the most underrated for nineteen ninety seven, because again, most people they look at it and they think it's a one match pay per view, and you can you can definitely you know see that, but first for especially for first time watching the pay per view. You know, from start to finish, I enjoyed it very much. I thought it was a very good, very well organized and put together pay per view, especially considering they had to make last minute changes uh, due to real life circumstances beyond their control. Um, but anyone out there listening to this, I don't know how many of you w- will be listening to this, but those of you who will, I th- appreciate it very much. I highly recommend that you check out the Bad Blood nineteen ninety seven pay per view. You should definitely watch it from beginning to end, and. Not just watching only the Hell in a Cell match. Because I know everybody loved loved the Shawn Michaels and the Ticker Hell in a Cell match. But you should watch all the other matches as well. Because they're all very good. Of course they're not on the same level as the the main event. But they are still very good and very enjoyable matches. And and I hope you enjoyed this premiere edition of Classic Wrestling Pay-Per-Views. And I will be back next month. Uh, Let me see because I have my little list right here. Because I'm going to be doing these once a month. Uh, And I have... Over the next couple months I have for November I have Survivor Series 2002 that I'll be discussing and then for December Starcade 1997 and then uh, in January of next year because it will be the 20th anniversary I'll be covering Royal Rumble 2000 which I'm just gonna go ahead and say it might be my favorite Royal Rumble pay-per-view ever and I will have a lot of fun discussing that one and uh, again I hope you enjoyed. Hearing me talk about Bad Blood in Your House, 1997. Um, My name is Julian, and I will see you on the next one. Bye.